Hello, and welcome to today's episode of the ANZW podcast, where we amplify the voice and profile of incredible women and allies in the ServiceNow community across Australia and New Zealand, bringing the voices of diversity and inclusion to you, whether you're taking a coffee break, walking the dog, or hitting the gym. You might have picked up on my Kiwi accent and realised that I am not Katrina Reid. I am, in fact, Kate Tulp, the Country Manager for ServiceNow New Zealand. Since we launched this podcast back in August, we've had lots of requests to hear Kat's story, our regular host of the podcast. So we thought it fitting to turn the microphone on her for the last episode of the year. And so with that, let me formally welcome Katrina Reid, Senior Principal Strategist in the Inspire Value Team at ServiceNow and star of our final episode for the year. Welcome, Kat. Thanks, Kate. I feel honoured to sit on this side of the microphone for a change. Must be a bit strange being welcome to your own podcast, but welcome. <laughs> Lovely to be on this side. <laughs> hey, so, so Kat, can we start off by you just perhaps telling us a little bit about yourself and your career history? Well, Kate, like many of the guests we've had on the podcast, um, I left high school with very little idea of what I wanted to be when I grow up. And in many ways, I'm still trying to work that out. I really enjoyed maths and physics in school. Both came natural to me. And it was actually my mum who suggested I should get into tech because at the time it was a growing industry and in her mind at least one of the few careers you could work from home and balance an exciting career and having a family. And she was a bit of a visionary like that. So I went on to study uh, software engineering at uni coupled with a commerce degree to balance out the tech knowledge with some business acumen. And to this day, I still believe that is one of the most valuable combination of skill sets you could have and one that wasn't very common back then. So I was excited when I graduated and uh, was offered a position in Accenture's graduate program. But little did I know, I was about to get my first lesson in the ups and downs of the tech industry (laughs) four weeks before I was due to start my first real job in March of 2002. I got a check in the mail with four weeks pay and a letter stating my program start date had been delayed by 12 months. Wow. So, yeah. So for those that know tech history, you know, that was right in the middle of the dot-com bubble bursting and a lot of the grad programs have been delayed or cancelled altogether. So it was, uh, it was pretty devastating at the time, although I kind of look back on that now as one of those sliding door moments. Um, and fortunately, I'd done some vocation work for Macquarie Bank in their financial services group, and they kept me on as a casual while I was studying at uni. So when my manager heard about my predicament, they just offered me a job as a database administrator and developer in their Sydney office. And so up I went, packed my bags, moved to Sydney, and I absolutely loved my time with Macquarie. Um, this is going to sound really nerdy, but I'm a massive geek at heart. The best part was taking coded reports that would take more than four hours to run and my job was to rewrite the code so they'd run faster and I'd get them from like four hours down to 15 minutes and it absolutely nourished my love of problem solving and was just really satisfying. But I think more importantly, it showed me how much um, the business valued getting insights faster so they could see what was going on across their business and make better decisions based on it. I think that kind of came to play later on in my career. Ultimately, I miss Melbourne, absolute Melbourne girl at heart. And so I took an opportunity to move back home when I was offered a position in Oracle's graduate program as a pre-sales consultant. And I was trained by an amazing management team on the nuance of understanding and communicating the value of technology. So we had a group of 10 grads. We went deep on technical knowledge. 
But more importantly, we were coached on professional and soft skills, like how to present and communicate effectively. And I vividly remember walking into a meeting room to find a box of stuff on the table. And we each had to randomly select an item and sell its value to the room. It felt so weird and so uncomfortable, but I will be forever grateful for those skills as I think I've created an entire career on the back of that random training session. Oracle gave me awesome opportunities to travel the world with work. I even got to travel to Silicon Valley to meet Larry Ellison himself. I built some of the world's first cluster databases on Oracle Rack technology, including for Telstra here locally, which was pretty cool. I went on to specialize in web services and business intelligence, but there came a point where Larry was on a mission to grow market share for the company, and we acquired 32 companies in 12 months. So suddenly that Oracle culture that I loved was a mishmash of cultures from the likes of PeopleSoft and JD Edwards, and it just felt like the right time to move on. Uh, So I did. I joined a small Canadian-based company called Cognos as a business intelligence specialist. And my job was to help customers understand how the technology works and showcase the capabilities that would help them analyze their business and predict future outcomes. Uh, Except six weeks after starting my new gig, I found out against all medical odds that I was pregnant. Oh, it's exciting. Well, yeah, but it was also kind of (laughs) awkward. (laughs) I, um, I was really nervous telling my new boss that I was soon going to need 12 months off. Uh, But he and the whole company were amazing and really supportive. I wasn't going to qualify for maternity leave because you have to have been at the company for a year. But they were going to allow me to take unpaid leave and, you know, they didn't just embrace it. They actually celebrated the situation. So it was all good. Except a few months later, it was announced that we were going to be acquired by IBM. So, yeah, (laughs) you can imagine how nervous that made me. Uh, after what I'd experienced early in my career, I pretty much convinced myself that the last person hired would be the first person to go during the acquisition process. So when IBM HR booked a meeting with me a few weeks before I was due to give birth, you can imagine what was going through my mind. No, I'm due to give birth. I'm going to be unemployed. How will we cope? So here I am sitting in a room in our tiny little Cognos office in Melbourne with a senior HR manager from a company with 450,000 employees. And she goes, well, Kat, congratulations on your impending motherhood. Obviously, you know that you haven't been at Cognos for a year, so you're not entitled to maternity leave. And I'm like, okay, here we go. And she says, at IBM, we strongly believe in diversity and supporting working parents. So we don't believe that's right. And as of next week, you will be the first Cognos employee in the world to be transitioned to IBM ahead of the formal acquisition date so that we can pay for your maternity leave. Oh, isn't that fantastic? That's the way it should be. Oh, yeah. Well, back then it wasn't. And even now, you know, I get goosebumps telling that story. We often talk to our customers about the moments that matter to an employee. Well, that was a big one for me. Um, And it was just one of the many lessons I learned from IBM about how to be a successful career woman and a mother and that you can be both. So during my nine years there, I worked with some of the most incredible leaders um, who showed me how to balance family and work and how to be great at both. I worked with bleeding edge technology. Uh, including the beginnings of Watson and artificial intelligence as we know it today. I moved into technical leadership roles, setting the vision and go-to-market messaging for new solution areas. I also spent time in management. I led a team of absolute superstars who were responsible for helping our customers make sense of all the rapid innovation that we were bringing to the market across AI, data, analytics, predictive, optimization engines. And I led strategic programs for 1,800 tech professionals across Asia-Pacific, Middle East, Latin America, and Central East Europe. So I got to work with people from all over the world, which was pretty awesome. 
Um, at IBM, I also found my voice. I launched a podcast. I wrote magazine articles and a book. I found my love for public speaking, often presenting on stage to audiences in the thousands. It was truly an incredible experience. I found myself one promotion away from one of the most coveted positions at IBM, which you would know is a distinguished engineer. But that last step didn't really thrill me. The idea of specializing in one area of technology just wasn't something that I personally wanted. I loved learning new tech and the ability to pick up new concepts and make sense of them was one of my greatest strengths. And one of my mentors at IBM at the time actually advised me that, you know, at some stage in your career, it's good to step outside of the world of technology. So when Salesforce reached out to me about a role in their business value services team, kind of felt like the right time and opportunity to move on to my next chapter in my career, even though I was leaving you know, such an amazing experience and an amazing group of people. Uh, my role at Salesforce was to help customers understand and measure the value of technology through the use of value drivers and financial modeling. And for me, it was an opportunity to develop my financial and commercial acumen, skills that I think everyone should know if they want to progress in business. It exposed me to more of the application technology space through CRM, obviously. And I got to work more closely with our customers' business teams as opposed to always working with tech. I really thrived on being able to go deep on business knowledge and get to my customers' business at a more intimate level. And that's something that I've always had a passion for. I think the greatest thing I learned from my time at Salesforce was actually the ability that you, to do good and do well. So previously, I'd always wanted to give back, but never really had time. And like many of us, you know, juggling a career and kids seemed like all I had time for. But the culture at Salesforce was to prioritize time and give back to the communities around us. And so we'd bring in school groups into the office, you know, for fun coding games. We'd organize team events around giving back to charitable, charitable groups. So it was really just embodied in each and every day. It was always, it was never a matter of can we find time? It was let's make time. And that ability to make time for the things that really matter to you is what I took away and applied to all the areas of my life, you know, to get better at balancing work and family and philanthropy and me time, that coveted me time that we never make time for. <laughs> uh, then 2020 hit with all its drama yeah. and felt like the right time for a change. So I did my research, lots of research. I was kind of at a point in my career where if I was to move on to a new role, I wanted it to be for the right company. I wanted to work for a company that had a really great, humble culture, had to be in growth mode. I really wanted to work for a company that measured success on revenue, not by profit or cost reduction. And it had to be the kind of technology that excites me, technology that solves real business problems, you know, with simplicity, without fanfare. And that's how I ended up at ServiceNow. Jeez, Kat, that is... Uh... An amazing story. I've got so many questions, but I know that we've got a, a time limit on our podcast. But can you describe your current role for our listeners and what you love most about it? Sure. So I work in our Inspire Value team. And the best way to describe what we do, or the way that I describe it, is that we are the scientific storytellers. We help our account teams understand the challenges that our customers face in their business, in their industry, and in the economy. Uh, we identify business value drivers and methods to measure the impact that technology can have in solving these problems, whether it's capabilities that take costs out of the business or making it easier for employees to do their jobs so they can spend time on revenue generating work or areas where tech can help minimise risk exposure. And we use financial and commercial modelling to project return on investment so that customers can confidently invest in ServiceNow tech 
and have a means to measure their success. What I love most about my job is that I get to utilize a very diverse blend of skills, deep understanding of business challenges, broad understanding of technology and how it works, detailed financial modeling, as well as all of those professional soft skills that I mentioned earlier, you know, the ability to take complexity and explain it in a really simple, compelling way so that people have the confidence to make big decisions about the future of their business and the role that technology will play. My role first and foremost feeds my love of problem solving um, and the joy that I get from creating really simple solutions out of what can be very complex challenges. It's such an interesting role because you work with so many different types of customers and so many different industries and lots of different people across ServiceNow, both you know, in Australia, New Zealand and, and out across the globe as well. Are there, are there particular business conversations or particular engagements that, that really get you excited that, yeah, this is, this is the best thing that I'm working on or the best thing that I've done so far? The conversations that I really love happening is when you're sitting across the table with a customer who is just as excited about the art of the possible as we are. You know, I had a, I had a conversation a couple of months ago. We were sitting down and talking about, you know, the role of property services. And thinking through what does the world of hybrid work mean? And maybe hybrid work isn't I come into work two days a week because that makes it difficult with real estate and it makes it challenging, you know, if people have children balancing family commitments and stuff like that. And so we started spitballing ideas and suddenly hybrid work, maybe that could mean people work from home during school holidays and they come into the office during the week and if sorry, during the term. And if if that's the world that we're working in, well, do we need all our offices running all the time? And so suddenly you start coming up with different ways that technology can be used to live value, not just to the business in terms of, you know, saving the money of running a building that's not being used, value to the planet in that you're operating your business in a more sustainable way and you're not turning lights on and running electricity when you don't need to, but value to the employees because at the end of the day, you know, this particular customer's employees, they all love their work and they want to be in the office around people, but we've all got competing priorities now. And so it's creating these really simple ways to apply technology that actually has benefit to more than just one entity. And it's those conversations where we're, you know, pushing the boundaries further and further that I think really excite me because, like I said, it's, it's new problems and simple solutions. Yeah. Do you find, Kat, that um, we get really excited uh, about, you know, the art of the possible and, and pushing those boundaries? but it does mean that people are going to have to change. And sometimes it's really challenging for people to imagine a different world like you've just described. How do you, how do you sort of have that conversation with, with people? How do you help them dream a little bigger and, and see, see a little bigger than maybe what they have, you know, without making them so uncomfortable that they immediately retreat back to what, what they know? I think that's where the storytelling comes in. Mm. You can have all the facts in the world. I often, I often relate my, uh, the way that I approach work to the way that I approach my marriage because my husband's an accountant and he's very detail-oriented and I'm the opposite. I'm the big picture and the storyteller. And it's fascinating to watch the way that we communicate. And so I find that when I go into meetings, I know there are people in the room that listen and communicate the way I do with, with pictures and storytelling. And there are people in the room that listen and communicate the way he does with facts and figures and details. And for me, the art is being able to bring the two together. Um, you have to have a level of realism. You can't push people too far. You have, to you have to introduce change incrementally. 
But people need to understand when they're headed and that's part of telling the vision and the storytelling around what's possible and the journey that we're on and giving people the path to get there. That's fantastic. You know, we're super lucky, aren't we, that we get to see a lot of um, the future and and we get to, you know, see a lot of different ideas. Some of it comes to fruition and some of it doesn't. What are some of those emerging technologies that you're most excited about? It's hard to answer this question because I'm a bit of a nerd. And so, you know, I love my VR headset and I love putting it on and escaping and being in this world (laughs) that seems so real, um, but that also scares me. I love my Apple Watch. I love going shopping and carrying nothing but a set of keys because mm. everything's on my watch. Like that mm. to me just adds value to my life and, you know, maybe it's a little bit cheesy, but that stuff makes me happy. But I think professionally what excites me most is this concept around workflow becoming the digital backbone of business and that's one of the things that drew me to service now. We all interact with companies on a day-to-day basis You know, we've all been in those situations where you need to ask a question, but you don't know which team you have to ask the question of. And so you get routed to three or four different teams and you sit there, you know, as a customer thinking, or customer or an employee thinking, it's not my job to know who I have to go to to get the answer. And even when you find the answer, you know, there's always this disconnect between getting things done. And I just love the concept that we're going to make life easier for people. And I love the concept of this digital backbone where there's always going to be complexity behind the scenes. You know, technology is going to come and go. Systems will come in and out. Businesses will change. We'll acquire companies. We'll divest companies. I love the concept that there is this digital backbone that's making it easier for everyone because while we're pulling things in and out behind the scenes, we can still orchestrate a seamless experience for employees and customers and businesses to operate and keep, and keep, the, keep the lights on and just make it easier for people to get things done. Like I said, I love simplicity. I love simple solutions to complex problems. And for me, workflow just sits perfectly in that sweet spot. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I love your example about how you like to go shopping with just your, your, your iWatch and, and your keys. I get frustrated that I have to have keys. Uh, at all, so <laughs> yes. I don't understand why my watch doesn't unlock the car. <laughs> and driver's so, license. Yes, exactly right. So I, I love taking that to the extreme that, that you have about the simplicity because um. You know, isn't, isn't that what we're all looking for in this super busy world, right? So that we can have, you know, better lives. And you're right. Why, why make customers work? Do you want to hear my theory about the Apple Always. Watch? Tell me all. Tell me. So for many years, the men that I would work for would ask me, why do you see value on the Apple Watch? It's not that big a deal. And I had to explain to him, you don't understand. We're, we live in different worlds. You live in a world with pockets. We don't live in a world with pockets. Women do not get pockets on our clothing, right? In fact, now if we find pockets on clothing, we buy it in 10 different colours. And, <laughs> and I had to explain to them, you know, we have to carry a handbag for our phone, right? You guys just pop it in your pocket. So for you, there isn't as much value in an Apple Watch because you can whip your phone out. Whereas mm-hmm. for me, when I walk the dog or when I go to the shops, I have to think, do I have a pocket for my phone? Well, now mm-hmm. I don't need one because I've got my Apple Watch. I love it. I love it. That is a great story. I love it. And it's true. That's the best part. <laughs> hey, so what's some of the best advice that you've received from a mentor or a coach that's really served you well? So I'm an advocate of taking advice from everywhere. Um, I have a little notebook always nearby where I just jot down little quotes or things that have popped out in magazine articles or um, some of the advice I've got has been from coaches and mentors. Some of it has been from people that I mentor or coach. And, you know, I love the concept of the two-way coaching relationship. But I think there's three that I live by. 
One was actually a leader from Cognos said this to me one day, and so this was quite a while ago, and it still resonates with me today. He said, some days you just have to feed the family, other days you get to live the dream. And what he meant by that was there are days when you just have to get the paperwork done. You've got to put in your expense report. You have to go to the internal meeting. You know, there are certain activities that we have to do that are just part of doing business. And that's how we feed the family. The family in this, in this sense is, you know, not necessarily your own family, but that's how we just get, you know, keep the lights on. But when, by, by doing that, there are days where you'll get to live the dream. And that's when you're getting on a plane to fly to Spain, you know, with one of your friends to speak at a conference or you're, you know, flying out to San Francisco to go to head office. And you, any role that you have is going to have a balance of both. And you cannot have one without the other because it's not sustainable. The second bit of advice that I love is to build your own board of mentors. There mm-hmm. is no one person in this world that is going to coach you on your career. And so just like a company has a board of directors that all have different experiences behind them, build your own board of mentors that come from different aspects of your life and make them a mix of people who are senior to you, people that are junior to you, people from different cultures, people that have tech experience, people that have business experience. So whatever the decision or advice you're looking for, you've got a group of people that you can go to that can give you a broad set of uh, opinions. And thirdly is just a mantra that I live with, and that is what's the worst that can happen. I have a more inappropriate way of saying that, but essentially that's what it is. What's the worst that can happen? You know, most of us don't work in a world where it's a life and death situation. So if you are a surgeon or a doctor, do not use that piece of advice, right? But for anyone in the business world, um, what's the worst that can happen? Okay, you know, if I take this risk and I launch a podcast, Maybe it'll flop. Maybe I'll say something wrong and I'll lose my job. That's not the worst thing in the world, right? All those things are recoverable. And it's that little, you only need that 30 seconds of bravery to take a step and you'd be amazed at what you can achieve. And I think often what holds us back from taking opportunities or from putting ourselves out there is that little element of fear and just have that little voice in your head that says, what's the worst that can happen? Because it probably isn't that bad at the end of the day. You're so right. And there's such great pieces of advice, aren't they? But, you know, that, that first one um, makes me think of the quote about, you know, find a job you love and you'll never work a day in your life or something. And I think, who wrote that? Like, you know, <laughs> there are definitely days that are way less fun and exciting than other days and you can still be living your dream job. So Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and I think you're incredibly brave. I think you've taken lots of thirty seconds of um, lots of steps of thirty seconds of bravery, Kat. You know, you can definitely hear that in the story that you told us about your career. What fuels you outside of work? Work's very full on, but what fuels at outside of work? So my family is a big part of that. Um, I've mentioned that I've got, so I've got two daughters, they're 12 and 14 now. And I've, I've never said that one phase of your kid's life is better than the other. They're all different. You know, when they're young, um, you see joy in just watching them learn how to peel a banana or walk down the steps. And, you know, then they start primary school and you see joy in learn, you know, watching them learn how to play sports. And now mine are entering that teen phase. I find joy in just hanging out with them. They're now at the age where, we have a few more interests in common. Um, so we'll sit down and watch TV or, you know, we'll shoot hoops at the back. Um, my girl's are very passionate about basketball. We spend six days a week at the basketball club. So there's a lot of basketball in our house. I spent five hours driving to basketball last Friday um, and I volunteer at the basketball club looking after 320 teenage girls. So, you know, 
I get a lot of joy from that, just hanging out with the family at home. We've got two cats and two dogs. Cats bring me lots of joy because they always want to cuddle. Um, so that's a big part of it. I recently got convinced by one of my colleagues who'll be listening to buy a Nordic track, which is Ooh. like, you, yeah, so kind of like a Peloton, but it's the experience ride. So, you know, you jump on there and you'll ride through the wineries in Italy and the bike adjusts up and down depending on what your, your trainer's doing. And I love that because I'm basically riding around the world in, you know, at home between meetings. Um, so that gives me physical, physical joy. And then the third thing I would probably say is just hanging out with friends. And I use the term friends loosely. You know, I have a lot of friends at work who are, you know, officially colleagues, but I love just hanging out with people and um, debating topics in life. You know, we catch up with a lot of the basketball families. I have a girl squad that I've collected over the years through work. So just any time that you can sit down and have a glass of champagne and just chat about what's going on in the world or people watch, you know, that stuff brings me joy. And it doesn't have to be, you know, some big event or some big trip, just spending time with the people you love. It's so important, isn't it, to know what gives you that energy and what gives you that fuel um, uh, and your go-tos. It sounds like you've got some really great ones. So um, I've got a few fun questions like you've asked of each of us uh, throughout the podcast this year. So um, so I've got a few for you. So first up, what is your favourite book or podcast? I think it's pretty obvious that I'm a massive fan of podcasts. I used to love books. I used to be a massive reader, but I just find it hard to find enough time to be sitting still. And whereas the podcast, you know, I'll be on the naughty track or we throw in the ball for the dogs or we picking the kids up from school. So it just fits in with my lifestyle. So one podcast that I really enjoyed is called The Dropout and it tells the story of Elizabeth Holmes and the Theranos story, oh. which is the Silicon Valley startup that was supposedly going to change the world of med tech and soon became a story of the ethics in Silicon Valley. And I just love it because, you know, it's a great reminder for those of us in the industry of what can happen when great, idea, great ideas get too far ahead of the execution and, you know, the ethics around selling vision versus, versus reality. Um, and the dropout is just told in a very, you know, entertaining and, and well to listen to way. I also love a podcast called Dolly Parton's America. Um, <laughs> I, it just so randomly popped up one day on my feed. I've never been a Dolly fan. And I thought, you know what, I'm just going to listen to this podcast randomly one day. And it just changed my perception of her. I just didn't know her background. and I didn't fully understand what she stood for. And it's just one of those podcasts that you'll walk away from it thinking, I just hadn't even thought of that. No, I actually think I might go and listen to that. I think you've sold it. It sounds go. pretty good. Yeah, for summer. you got summer coming up. Sit out in the back, glass of wine, Dolly, Dolly Parton's America. You'll love I love it. it. I love it. What about best movie or TV show to binge watch? So I do love watching the drama of Housewives series Unravel because <laughs> yeah. it is so far removed from my real life. So shows like Dubai Bling are just a guilty pleasure for me. <laughs> but if I was to recommend something that people should actually watch, uh, it'd be the new Netflix series Wednesday. I've recently mm -hmm. finished watching it with my two daughters and they have just done a brilliant job of respecting the original Adam's family history, but with a modern take on what is a very awesome, strong female character. So highly recommend it. Yeah, I haven't seen that actually. I'm, again, I might go and check that one out. It sounds good. Yeah. And that and I might give Dubai Bling a, a, a go as well over the summer holidays. <laughs> okay, third question. What's a place that everyone must visit in their lifetime? So I find this one really hard because I've been to a lot of places in the world through work, which I'm just so privileged for. I think I would have to say Niagara Falls 
purely so everyone can see the full force of nature. Like there's nothing quite like standing in that rickety little boat in the spray of the falls to make you realise just how much, you know, we are at mercy of the world around us. And it's just such a magical experience. And finally, favourite food? Mexican every day of the week, complete Mm. with a margarita. And to be specific, I would have to say Californian Mexican because they tend to add pineapple to everything and that just makes it so much better. What kind of Mexican? Like like you're in a Californian Mexican restaurant, what are you ordering? So I love tacos. We do a lot of tacos at home because kids can make it themselves and they won't complain about the ingredients. So we're a big <laughs> taco household. But even just like the Mexican salads, like because it's all fresh ingredients, then with the crispy corn chips and and you add your margarita frozen <laughs> if it's summer. Like it's just, for me, it's just, I think it's more the ingredients and the flavours could just eat it any other way. Oh, I think you're. I think you're selling me on um, tacos Mexican out on the out on the backyard with the margarita. That sounds pretty good tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've got the weather for it. It's cold here today. <laughs> well, Kat, it has been an absolute pleasure listening to you shine a light on the careers of so many incredible women and allies in our Service Now network this season. I'm personally really grateful for the fact that you kicked this off and said, uh, I think we should do this and I'll make it work. And you absolutely have. I've personally really enjoyed uh, the opportunity to get to know lots more of our uh, women at ServiceNow and our allies uh, in ServiceNow as well. So thank you so much for doing all of that. And I'm really glad that we finally flipped the microphone around and I got to hear your story today. I've learned a great deal. So thank you for sharing. Thank you, Kate. It was my absolute pleasure. And thank you to all of our listeners who've been following on this journey um, this season and supported all of our incredible women and allies across the ecosystem. I probably should wrap up and say make sure to join the LinkedIn group to continue the conversation and connect with all of our guests on the show. And as always, you can find us on the ANZW podcast homepage as well as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify. Kate and myself and the rest of the team will be taking a break over summer to soak up the sun, get some much-needed family time, maybe drink some of those margaritas in the back deck. (laughs) Join us in the new year for an exciting new format and more great stories to share. We are wishing you a wonderful holiday season and we will see you next time. 